and uh, Deidre Heenan. And as always, thank you for watching. You can see the programme again at any time by going to the website at aljazeera.com. Uh, for further discussion on this issue, join us at our Facebook page. You'll find that at facebook.com forward slash AJ Inside Story. And of course, you can join the conversation on X, our handle there at AJ Inside Story. From me, Adrian Finnegan, and the team here in Doha, we'll see you again. Bye for now. As Israel's war on Gaza continues, we bring you the latest. We are on the ground in Gaza, covering the ongoing Israeli bombardment and the suffering of people, torn between loss, displacement and lack of resources. As well as the desperate conditions here in and around Al-Aqsa Hospital. And from occupied East Jerusalem, we cover how daily raids and restrictions prevent freedom of movement and the right to worship. From Tel Aviv, we'll continue our coverage of Israel's war cabinet decisions, the captives and other political developments. And from the occupied West Bank, we'll continue reporting on the violent Israeli raids with killings, mass detentions and destruction. Stay with us for the updates and detailed coverage of the war on Gaza on Al Jazeera. On counting the cost, China's economy faces a slew of setbacks. Is it in serious trouble? Tech giants are making big profits, yet they're laying off thousands of workers. Plus, poly-employment. Why are employees increasingly working multiple jobs? Counting the cost on Al Jazeera. Unprompted and uninterrupted discussions from our London Broadcast Centre on Al Jazeera. Oil-rich Iraq is facing a crisis and a far more vital resource, water. As dams built by its upstream neighbors restrict flow, underinvestment and climate change are exacerbating the situation. Now, in regions where settled farming first emerged, tensions are rapidly rising. People in power investigates whether this could be the last generation to farm the land. Iraq's Water Wars, part two of two on Al Jazeera. It's a pleasure to have you on another edition of The Baby Doctor with me, Bernice Abubeidulansa. Today we're going to discuss something very topical and urgent. Eight out of ten preterm and six out of ten full-term babies develop jaundice. Now, usually people say it's harmless and it's common, but it can also be fatal and dangerous to your child's health. Here in Ghana, the Pediatric Society has dedicated the entire month of May to raise awareness on the condition. And today, I've got a very seasoned pediatrician to help us have that discussion. You don't want to go away. Today's will be super exciting. <laughs> enter any of our COI facilities, you will be met by our pleasant front desk offices where your child will be registered in our system 
after which you will be led to the nurse's station. Our competent nurses will triage your child and the needed first aid care will be given when necessary. Your next point will be the consulting room. Our proficient and friendly doctors will examine your child and give the appropriate diagnosis and treatment. From the consulting room, you may require the services of our laboratory, which is managed by highly skilled laboratory scientists, and then to our well-equipped pharmacy. When it becomes necessary to admit your child, you will be nursed in either our general ward or private ward according to your preference. At COIL, we aim at giving you the best, your child's well-being, our passion. staying on the baby doctor today like i said we will be treating the condition jaundice we'll be looking at what causes it and uh, what the remedies are and i've been joined today by dr christine oseyabwa we love to call her dr koi because that's like you know friendly and exciting because she's a pediatrician a consultant pediatrician and a public health specialist and today she'll be helping us delve into this issue she's with koi pediatrics located in tema doc it's a pleasure to have you here this uh, today and uh, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to have this very important conversation with us and i see that you're wearing your yellow hair yellow month shirt um basically tell us about why this is important and why the pediatric society of ghana is embarking on this campaign then we'll zoom into uh the conversation okay thank you benis and um i must say i'm i'm happy to be here yes why are we dedicating a whole month to talk about um, neonatal jaundice it's simply because if it is missed the effects are, are, are fatal and most of the damage caused cannot be reversed but then it is avoidable no child needs to go through that process and so that's why we believe that with the right knowledge and the right interventions at the right time every child will be spared the, def the, 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 the damage that they get from neonatal jaundice mm. the jaundice um, the damage affects the brain and it is permanent and so the child has a lot more disabilities than he will ever bargain for and nothing can be done to reverse them mm -hmm. what we are able to do is to just help the child manage the disability but that we think that is an unnecessary harm done to a child who was hitherto born well mm. so doc, what is neonatal jaundice neonatal jaundice Okay, neonate is a, a child, a, a newborn. Mm. So a baby born in the first month of life, we call you a neonate. Okay. Good. Jaundice, John or jaune, that is the French word for yellow. Okay. Yes. So a yellow baby is neonatal jaundice. Basically. Basically. Mm -hmm. And so when we say the baby is yellow, it means that the skin mm -hmm. and then the eyes, or let's say the mucosa, that's, if you look in the mouth, it looks yellow because we are dark skinned. So sometimes mm, you, can, yeah, you can miss it. But when we say somebody is yellow, that's jaundice. The person's eyes have turned yellow. 
the skin is looking more yellow than it should be. The person is jaundiced. Mm. Simple. Simple. Yes. So, um, in my introduction, I shared some statistics. Eight out of ten uh, preterm babies, pre babies yes. and six out of ten term, term babies, babies yes. um, end up having jaundice. What causes it? Okay. It's, it is caused by some changes that happen when a child is born. And so, to put it in context, let me start from when the child is in the mother's womb. Okay. When the child is in the mother's womb, he needs a lot more of red blood cells. That's the blood cells that, um, the cells in the blood that carries oxygen to the brain and to every part of our body. We all use our red blood cells to make sure we get enough oxygen to the different parts of our body. And so that's what happens to a newborn. Because he's drawing from mommy mm. in, the, in the womb, he needs a lot more. Okay. But when baby comes on earth mm. and his lungs begin to work, then he doesn't need that much okay. HB or red blood. Right. And so the body begins to break down the excess mm. so that he doesn't have more than necessary. Right. When the body breaks down the red cells, there's a part of it we call the him. And when it breaks down, then we form the bilirubin. The bilirubin is the yellow ones that give you your skin color. Mm. And when normally the body breaks down the him, the bilirubin is held by some boys or a mother called mm. mother plasma. Okay. And she holds the baby, the boy, the child bilirubin as they walk in the blood cells and take them to the liver mm. to deal with it so that it comes out in our urine, in our poop, in a form that is not harmful. Okay. When a baby is born and is producing a lot more him. Then we have so many bilirubins, so mama plasma has not got enough hands right. to hold on to all the baby bilirubins. So some of the baby bilirubins are let loose and they start um, loitering around the, the street, gallivanting the street of red, <laughs> the bloodstream. Mm. And then they decide to stray. So when a lot of them are there, you know, when children, children get adventurous, so they come up with the idea of going to places and they end up in the, the brain of the child when it gets into the brain of the child it goes to destroy the cells mm. in the brain mm. and that is permanent and so that is what happens in unital jaundice is the bilirubin that is in excess and the liver cells who are also now maturing and so are now working hard to get rid so you have this excess mm. loitering around also at the same time, we know that when, you are, when the liver breaks down the bilirubin, they have to come out in the poo or the urine. When a baby is born and he's not um, feeding well to, to poo then they stay in the gut longer. Okay. And then they begin to go back into the Again. bloodstream. Yes. Oh. We, call, we call it, I don't want to use big names, mm. uh, but then, yes, yeah, so I think I'll leave it out. But some <laughs> go back. Into the, into the bloodstream and then they break them down again. And so basically that's what happens in the first week of life. Mm. And that is always the tricky part of life. Mm. Subsequently, the brain gets mature. So it doesn't allow little boys to stray into the brain. Mm. And then also the liver matures. And so then it can break it down. It can its take own. care of the bilirubin boys and girls and mm. they don't get any naughty work to do. Okay. So in a nutshell, that's what happens. Right. So we understand that 
there are different types of jaundice. You've just yes. basically told us why it happens and what causes us to see the yellow pigmentations in the eye and on the skin and sometimes in the mouth. But what are the types and how do you handle the types of jaundice? Okay. For the medical person, we may give it different jargons. But then for everybody, I think we can group them into the physiologic okay. and then the pathologic. Pathology means disease. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game. We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick! Sorry, kids! Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Physiology means a normal happening in life. So we have the physiologic and the pathologic. The pathologic can be direct and indirect. I'm sure that's the word you wanted to hear. Yes. (laughs) So the physiologic is predominantly indirect, but even under the indirect, we have the physiologic and then the pathologic. And under pathology, you can have indirect and the direct. The indirect ones have a lot of bilirubin floating around. The direct ones... They, we call those bilirubins unconjugated. They have not been touched. And then the conjugated ones are the bilirubin that has gone through the liver, has undergone necessary changes, but the, there is a problem. Okay. And so sometimes it's because the gateway for the one that has been changed to go out of the body is blocked. Mm. And so you will have extra bilirubin, but it's conjugated in the bloodstream. Okay. Because when they were... They were changed. They could not go out. Okay. So I think in simple terms, that is it. Mm. But then what I think is of interest to listeners is that the pathologic is any of the jaundice that we put under pathologic is problematic. Okay. And the physiologic, which is not problematic, is a diagnosis of exclusion. So we have to confirm or convince ourselves that this yellow it's eyes we are mm, seeing is not pathologic. It's not pathologic. There is no disease process underlying it. Okay. And when we have convinced ourselves of that, and the level won't harm anybody or will not cross, will not have enough of the bilirubin boys going to the brain, then we say physiologic. And that normally will clear within a week. Okay. Yes. Even with or without any intervention. Mm. But you cannot tell from a child's face that this one is physiologic, that is pathologic. So that's why... We are changing the narrative that just go to the hospital and let a doctor convince him or herself that it is not pathologic. Mm. Then you can go home and, and wait for your, bo- your baby's eyes to get white again. Right. So basically, I, I think what we are learning from Doc is that you and I cannot detect what is causing the yellow we see in the eyes of the child. And so you must get a health professional to check that child and give you the all clear that everything is fine. And the early detection is what Doc is preaching here. And uh, the Pediatric Society of Ghana is preaching the same by extension. Get your child checked. Doc, in the first week of birth, it is important? Yes, it is super important. And so if I will share with our, our mothers, my personal philosophy is from day one. Learn to blanch the nose of your child. Press okay. the bridge of the nose. Yeah. 
the tip of the nose, not the this, the tip. The tip and look yeah. at the color. Okay. It from will, the first day. From day one. It will look very pinkish. Day two, come out of the room, check again. If you see that that color is changing, then your baby may be getting jaundiced. So you need to send the child to the hospital for the doctor or the midwife to check. In the past, when we were staying in hospital for days before we went home, it was okay because the, the nurses will come around in the morning and, and check, the doctor will come. But now, you deliver in the morning, and by evening, you are home. And we know that a lot of these jaundice occur within the first three days of life. Okay. And so, it's in your interest as a new mother to check from day one and so that you can see whether there's any difference. And please don't keep your child indoors. Mm. Step out. Come to the porch. Into the open. Into the open. I mean, or draw your curtains okay. so that you can see. Because the day you gave birth, you saw your baby's face. And then you press. So the second day when you check, you can always tell when there is a difference. So, Doc, you're, you're yes. saying that it's always best to check or do the, the tests on the nose in a clearly lit yes. uh, place. Preferably outside. Outside. Preferably outside. Okay. And the good thing is now, we, many of us are in gated homes. And so... But they <clears> say, don't, you know, sometimes, you see, the, the tradition must go on. I know. When you have a child... No evil eyes should see exactly, the Exactly. You're told that well, <laughs> you need to keep the child at least for a week. Then you outdoor. That is the actual outdooring. Right now, because of modernity and all people are... Uh, you know, shelving the outdooring for naming ceremonies where some can even do it three months after the child is born. Yeah, when the child is sitting. <laughs> <laughs> but we are told that traditionally the child is outdoored on the seventh day. Um, yes, which was true. I think then they were trying to outdooring meant others came to see the child. Okay, not others necessarily the child. the child going outdoors. Out. Yes. Okay. So outdoor, you were in a compound house. If you came out of the room with a baby, everybody will come and see the baby, whether it's a boy or a girl, and congratulate you. And that came with the challenge of infections and other things. But I think stepping out, now we know better. Mm. It's, it's, it's heart-rendering when you see a child coming after, after days of being so jaundiced and you know that so much harm mm. has already been done. Mm. So I think for, for our new dispensation... There is wisdom in, in, in stepping out every day to at least check. It doesn't mean go around the whole neighborhood <laughs> showing off your new baby, <laughs> but then you should come out and make sure that your baby is well. Mm. Yes. Right. So, Doc, I mean, I want to believe there's absolutely no way a child can be jaundiced without presenting the yellow pigmentation, right? So. Yes. So then, I mean, these are the ways you can detect. Are there other ways beyond that? Um, no. Jaundice is yellow. Mm. Yellow skin. So right. if, you, if, you are, if, you are, if there's no yellow, then, then the there's no jaundice. No but then we know that when there's yellow, then sometimes the people may give us some idea of which type of jaundice we are dealing with. Okay. But for us, for me, I think for the new mothers, the key thing is that when you see the color move, and leave the other decisions for, for the health worker. Mm -hmm. But then you should take note of the pupu color. If we go and the pupu is all pale and white, then we are looking at direct. 
that wow. we talked about, yes. And if it's all the normal baby poopoo, then we know that, okay, it may be indirect. So it guides us. So when you go to the hospital, those pieces of information are useful to the health care provider. But then it is not for a mother at home to look at poopoo color mm. and decide that this is a no problem, John, this, so mm. let me keep the child at home. Mm. Because you may be sitting on a, on a time bomb. Mm. Yes. Doc, you said something interesting about our skin complexion and why, um, because some of us are very dark in complexion, the, like skin, the skin alone may not give you the signals as in so clearly enough. Um, well, yes, but then for a baby, most babies are fair colored. Yeah. And so if you, if you press the, the, the tip of the nose, the, the normal pigment color goes away and you see a light color tone underneath. Okay. Correct. So when you press on it and that color is pinkish, then you know there's no jaundice. Mm -hmm. But when you press on it and it's looking yellowish, then you know that um, there is a problem. Yes. Doc, let me go back to tradition. Um, because in, in some places, you're told, oh, it, it's, this is in Kolayare. You know, with the statistics we shared, it's quite a common thing. Obviously, you've given us the reasons why um, coming from pre, uh, prenatal circumstances into even the development of the liver and all that. And some will say, oh, this is not as yellow as... Should we be looking for grades of yellow? Or once we see yellow, we should move? Yes, I think from, from what we see in the hospitals, the person next, in, the one who is not a health worker like you, is not your best judge. Okay. Good. And we also know that we are racing against time. The first week of life is the key period. And so as they are saying, give it a few days, you are delaying. And the Billy Rubin boys and girls... <laughs> Are loitering around and you don't know how many there are mm. and so we say when you see the change in color move you don't need to see it as deep because the deeper it gets the worse normally by the time the color goes to it starts from the face I must say it starts from the face then it moves to the chest and so when it starts from the face the level is lower when it gets to the chest we say moderate when the, the feet and hands are all yellow, we say it's serious. Mm. Yes. And so when you, that's why I said the nose. Yes. Yeah, that's I didn't say the chest. Mm. I didn't say the, the hands. Mm. The because by the time you see it in the, in, in, the, in the palms and the sole of the feet, it's gone past normal levels. Mm. And it's in dangerous levels. Mm. And that's when the likelihood that the naughty boys and girls will go into the brain is higher. So I say... Most of the time, those who listen to the relatively adults in the house tend to present to the hospital very late. Mind you, they say it's nothing, but when you have side effects from it, they are not there to support you through it. And so I think it's better to waste a little money mm -hmm. to be assured that your baby is fine than to just believe everything everybody says and have a lot of problems later. Mm. We have grown. M medicine has evolved. Now we know better. And so now we don't even preach put the child in the sun as we used to. Mm. Yes. You're going ahead of me, Doc. Um, we'll come to the sun <laughs> because that's also one that we must discuss. So just to clarify here, 
the the side effects or the the damage the excess bilirubin causes which is what makes it look yellow is not dependent on whether it is physiological or pathological right so and because we started the foundation we say the physiological is not a disease i just want us to clarify that so that mothers and uh, caregivers can understand that even if it is physiological if you do not go to the hospital early enough it can cause some damage to the child um it depends but you mm. wouldn't know it's physiological or not okay so that's where the issue is but most physiological jaundice with the right interventions will not cause damage. Okay. So normally when it's physiological, it's because the breakdown is fast and then maybe the, the child is not feeding enough, mommy is not getting enough. And so as soon as you address the Those feeding months. problem, you flush out the jaundice. And we would have checked the levels and mm. seen whether there are few times that the physiological may have such high levels mm. and so then we will put the child under light but if we check and then the rate of increase in the bilirubin in the blood tells us it's okay so the the doctors look at so many parameters not just the, the skin color mm. we will take a blood sample okay. and they will say we'll repeat the following day and it's because we want to see whether this is something we should worry about or this is the type that we can encourage mommy to just go and feed Mm. And, and come home. And so in the past, when there's no cause for alarm, then they will talk about sunbath. Mm. But because people are abusing sunbath, now we don't even talk about sunbath mm. because we have a more sophisticated form of the sun in the hospitals to use for the babies. Which is the physiotherapy? That is the photo. Phototherapy. The phototherapy. Mm. So light treatment. Okay. Phototherapy. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Doc, is there anything a mother can do at the prenatal stage um, to help prevent jaundice in a child? Is there anything, has science determined that? There are a few things that mothers can do to, to, to help their, their, their babies. And I will list them as such. The first thing is during antenatal, make sure that you've checked your blood group and then also your husband's blood group because we know there are causes for the pathological one. One of them is the blood group incompatibility. So if your blood group is O and your husband is anything apart from O, then we know that there could be a likelihood okay. that your child, there will be, there will be a fight between the, the blood groups. And then also check your GCSPD status. As a mother. As a mother. Because we know that it, it tends to be inherited from mothers. So if you are going to antenatal, make sure these tests are done. I know in the traditional hospitals they do them, but sometimes because we go to all sorts of all different places for our antenatal and we are always busy and running late, we may miss some of these tests, but it is important. And even when you've done it and they've written it in your book, make sure you know what it is so that you are also educated on it as a, as a mother. Yeah, so that's one of it. The second thing is, let's avoid comfort. GCSPD is common in our environment. And we realize that comfort makes, it, it triggers the reaction. And so the GCSPD is a protector of the red cell. Okay. So when you don't have some, or you have very little, then your red cell is not, able to, is not well protected from some shocks. Mm. Good. And comfort is a number one shock. So we get children who are getting pathologic jaundice because 
parents have put camphor in everything because it got, it got a nice smell. So even before baby arrives, we've packed the things, we've put balls of camphor in it to mm. keep all sorts of reptiles. And they so, even sell them in baby uh, shops. Shops, yes. And so that is one important thing that every mother can do to protect the child. Okay. And with that, you save your child pathologic jaundice. Wow. We are learning something, something yes. today. Please keep the comfort away from children. I mean, it's not, it's not helping them, as Doc has, has highlighted. In fact, comfort should not be in the house. Oh, really? Yes, for a baby. It shouldn't okay. be in the baby's room. It, 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 keep, it keep it away. Keep it away. When they are older and you know that they don't have any problem with comfort, then you can because the, 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 the problem with the comfort is more than the, the benefits you derive. Mm. When you have a baby and you have comfort in every corner of the house. You know, sometimes even the bathing bowls have comfort. The drinks yes. have comfort. Everything. No. Let them go. Mm. Let them go till you are sure you don't have a problem. Mm. Doc, I'm sure there are a lot of questions on people's minds. I hope that we can address them by the time the conversation is over. Um, we hear of so many things when it comes to jaundice you've you've mentioned some of them in in person but i want us to be very emphatic in determining whether it is a truth or not and one of them is that jaundice will correct with time um is that a statement of fact or it depends on what we are talking about here it is not a statement of fact it depends on what you are talking about here Physiologic will clear. Okay. All the others need intervention. What kind of interventions? Medication or phototherapy as well? It depends. If it's indirect, then it's phototherapy. If it is direct, then we have to know the, and the reason for the direct and correct the problem. Okay. So if it's a liver disease, we have to treat the liver. Oh, and babies then, at that stage can have liver disease? Yes, babies can be born with it. And babies can be born with um, the, the bile duct. They are born and they don't have a bowel duct or they have a blocked bowel duct. Oh. And so, you know, I talked about it's, 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 it's processed, but it can't come out. Mm. Yes. So we have to find out what is the cause of the jaundice. Then we can say that it will end with time. Yes, many may will end with time. But what effects do they leave in their trail is the problem. Mm. So they cannot, you cannot be jaundice um, forever, but then... What, it, what will it leave you with? What will it leave you with? And wh or where will it take you? Because it can take you to your grief too, if you ignore it. Yes, if it's severe and the cause is ignored, it can take you to the grief. So it's either it's leaving you with a lot of bad memories or it's taking you to an early grave. Yes. You, you've, you've spoken about the side effects, um, especially when in the first week they managed to go into the brain where you say that the, the brain's gate is not developed. I like the way you, you create a <laughs> mental picture for all of us so that it's easy for us to understand. What are some of these side effects? How do they present? What, what will the child end up with? The child will end up with... The, where it, it causes the most harm is the base of the brain. That is where the cells for balance, the cells for movement, for hearing for walking stability is and so you get a child who will be delayed in, in attaining all these milestones they may walk but they are not stable i have one patient who walks and he keeps 
more or less twisting and turning with every step he takes. And it is the effect of neonatal jaundice. Mm. Yes, because he had genital jaundice as a child. But apart from that, he's fine. But when he's walking, he's staggering and everybody's turning to look at him. And nothing can be done to reverse it. Some too never walk. Some too, it destroys their hearing so they can't hear. Or they are, they are drooling all the time. They are not able to, to hold saliva together. Yes, so it comes with a lot of stigmata. Yes. And then in some cases, it affects the higher brain development. So the child doesn't do well in school. As if, if you are not sitting, and then sometimes they cannot speak because it's affected the, the muscles of, of fine, the fine muscles. So they are speaking in a slurred manner, or they are speaking and you cannot hear clearly what they are saying, and their mouth is drooling, and they are rotating, twisting. So at the end of the day, do they even get the opportunity to be in the regular school like every other child? Not- ah, the sizzle of McDonald's sausage. It's enough to make you crave your favorite breakfasts. Enough to head over to McDonald's. Enough to make you really wish this commercial were scratch and sniff. And if you're a sausage person, now get two satisfyingly savory sausage McGriddles, sausage biscuits, or sausage burritos for just $3.33. Or mix and match. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All the time. And do they have the kind of support that they need to bring out the talents in them? In the environment, we know how limited that kind of support is. And so if you can spare your child and yourself that pain, I think it's, it's worth sparing yourself. And Doc, yes. at these interventions, you spoke about phototherapy and in some cases having to give the child medication. Are they yes. expensive or are they readily available anywhere Actu- in the actually, country? Actually, yes, they are available. Now we have a lot more phototherapy um, units in, 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 in Ghana. But I must say, when I was training, we used to get the bulbs, a particular mm-hmm. type of bulb, and create our own. We get a carpenter and make the wood. And so the phototherapy is the least expensive treatment. Meanwhile, the effects are just, are just beautiful. And so leave the clinician. If you will go to any facility when they don't have phototherapy unit and tell you that we'll be doing sunbath, um, please go to another facility. Okay, they'll be doing sun baths. Yes, you put a child in the sun. I will recommend you go to another facility because they are behind time. And you are better off going to another facility and getting your child the needed help. If you go and they confirm there's no cause for alarm and you want to come back home and do sun baths so that the, the jaundice will go faster, fine. But do not take, put uh, breast milk in the eyes and do some bath. Whoever gives those options are way behind time and they may cause you pain mm. in future. Mm. So that's what I will say. Yes. I, I don't know why when it comes to babies and mothers and pregnancy, there are all these um, myths and all these ideas about how you can deal with them apart from seeing a healthcare provider. Because I also heard a bit about putting milk in the baby's eyes and I I ask myself, how is that going to solve the problem? It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I take it that, you know, we always want to be seen to be doing something. Mm. And so that's what I, people try to, 
do something about the situation. And mind you, many of the physiologic ones would clear. So mm. by the time they do their kominini for, for three, by day three, it's clearing and they think the kominini has done the trick. But the kominini didn't do anything. It's just that God saved you because it was nothing serious. Because we know that a good percentage of these children is nothing serious. Yes. So I think that that's the best explanation I have been able to put to mm. all those maneuvers that we put in. Because the key thing for me is to feed the baby well and make sure that you are maybe topping up with express breast milk mm. and then seek help and let's make sure that the baby is fine. If you come and it's just on the tip of the nose on day three, baby is feeding well, baby is fine, the health worker knows that there's no cause for alarm. Or he will take the blood sample. The results comes, it's so low, you don't have to worry about Then we will assure you and send you home. But then you have your peace of mind. And then you are also assured that you will not have any effects when the child is growing up. But assuming the doctor at home, with all the knowledge, uh, paramedics you have who are as good as yourself, does not help your child mm. in any way. Mm. And most of the paramedics cannot be sent to any... Any, any, any institution to be punished because mm. yeah. they were trained and, and graduated at home. Uh, from in, in their own kitchens and The bedrooms. certificate was, done, was given at home, so there's no governing body to report to. So I think we should just be careful and let's protect our children. Right. Yes, a little waste of money in code for a blood test is worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. We'll take a sip of water now, but when we come back, you know, we always try to get interactive with you to pick what's happening on the ground, real-life issues, and get our, our doctors to respond to them. So Doc and I will be doing that right after these messages. When you enter any of our COI facilities, you will be met by our pleasant front desk offices, where your child will be registered in our system, after which you will be led to the nurse's station. Our competent nurses will triage your child and the needed first aid care will be given when necessary. Your next point will be the consulting room. Our proficient and friendly doctors will examine your child and give the appropriate diagnosis and treatment. From the consulting room, you may require the services of our laboratory, which is managed by highly skilled laboratory scientists, and then to our well-equipped pharmacy. When it becomes necessary to admit your child, you will be nursed in either a general ward or private ward according to your preference. At COI, we aim at giving you the best, your child's well-being, our passion. Thank you so much for staying on The Baby Doctor with me, Bernice Abubedulansa. Today, 
I'm having a conversation with Dr. Coy, and we're talking about neonatal jaundice. I hope you have learned a lot, and please don't keep the information to yourself. This is information that you have to share with everybody uh, because, you know, it's important, as we say in, in, in Ghana, it's a community that raises a child. And so when we all know these things together, we can help out a mother and save a child from uh, having lifelong uh, uh, side effects of neonatal jaundice. I, I told you just before we took uh, that breather that we were going to get a bit personal, share personalized stories and get Doc to respond to them. So, Doc, let me start with one where this young mother rushes into the neonatal intensive care unit of the Konfanochi Teaching Hospital with a baby that is looking as yellow as the shirt you're wearing. <laughs> that is the most yellow I have seen a child. I panicked. The nurses were surprised that this mother had waited so long to bring the child and, and said, why did you keep the child till, till the child got this yellow? But here's where my question comes in. So the doctor meets the woman and says, we would have to drain the blood in the child and replace the child's blood with yours. But even there, we are not sure if that will solve the problem entirely. We need to run a few tests to ensure that we're given the right medications and interventions. What exactly is happening here? What is happening is the child has come at a late stage of neonatal jaundice. You know, I told you that it graduates. And so he's so yellow that the bilirubin boys and girls are all over the place. And our worry is that if we leave that child's blood as it is, there's so much bilirubin boys and girls, they will go into the brain. And they can't pass out? No, uh, we've got into a level that mm. we can't wait. Because mm. the truth of the matter, by the time she arrived, we didn't even know how much damage has already happened to the brain. Right. And for that damage, it's only time that tells. Mm. And so the doctors and the nurses' main task was that let's get as much of the bilirubin-infested blood out and give this child blood that hasn't got bilirubin and reduce the concentration of the bilirubin. Okay. Good. So that's what they were. So we call it the exchange blood transfusion. We, we draw some of yours out, then we push in the new one. We draw some out so that we are hoping that if the bilirubin concentration was like, say, 5,000, by the time we are done, we would have reduced it to, 50, to 200 okay. or 250. And then 500 and 250, 500 are more likely to cause more damage than 250. But they said they were not sure mm. because there are so many other parameters that will come into play. If there are other causes of jaundice that I didn't mention, some could be from infection. I talked about mother's blood group, yes. So if there's the blood group incompatibility, they are hoping that... The, the reaction because what happens is that if mommy has the oh the antibodies the soldiers in mommy have gone into baby and are attacking all the baby cells they are seeing them as enemies of progress so what we are doing is that we are reducing the volume of the enemies of progress in the baby and putting in normal Many ones soldiers. yes <laughs> and hoping that they will stop beating the because they are no enemies of progress so to speak and then also an infection can cause the breaking down of the red cells. And cause, so in that case, whilst we treat the infection, we know that 
the jaundice vol- um, levels will reduce. Yes. But the key thing is to reduce the, vol- the, the, the concentration of the bilirubin boys and girls. And then normally after the exchange blood transfusion, we put you under the photolite. So you will still do phototherapy. But we know that they are, when you go beyond some level, the risk of brain damage is high. And so their interest is to make sure that this child does not stay in that high level for a long time so that we save what is left of the child's brain. Do you record fatalities in jaundice? Yes, we do. So that yellow baby may either pull through with side effects or may die. It's one of two. Mm. And so I'm sure you saw how they were all alarmed and they all reacted. They are like, oh my God, how could you do this to your child? Mm. Yes, so we record fatalities. We record fatalities. You can do all the exchange and everything, the child will still pass on. And sometimes when there's so much damage, the child may be better off going back to the maker because Mm. the quality of life later on is is, is stressful. It's stressful. So there are two questions here. It's about whether or not this woman had enough information on what to do and what to look out for, or it was just a share case of negligence. Um, in your practice, what do you see to be the issue when it comes to delayed um, uh, reports to the hospital when it comes to jaundice? Is it a case of lack of knowledge or sheer negligence? I wouldn't say sheer negligence. I think it would be unfair mm-hmm. to say that because after nine months of carrying a baby... <laughs> You had enough time not to do the child any good if you didn't want this child that bad. And so it's more of lack of knowledge and misinformation. Okay. It's lack of knowledge and then misinformation. I know in our setting, the, the, the decision makers most of the time is not the mother of the newborn. It's the grandmother, the auntie, the... Mother-in-law. The mother-in-law, the retired health worker who is supposed to be all-knowing, but may not have been that... Because, you know, in, in, our, in our space, every woman who works in the hospital is a nurse. Mm. And a nurse. Yes, so <laughs> even sometimes the person may have been at the records, but he's a nurse. And she will also be bold enough to give an opinion when she has no clue what is happening. So I think it's more of lack of knowledge, and people don't know. And so even when you say the child is looking yellow, she's never seen a newborn. She doesn't know what a yellow baby looks like. So she sees the child as yellow as what you are describing, like my T-shirt. Then even the almost blind will know that this is not a normal color. But by this time, it's late. So the most mothers don't even know how to look for the jaundice. And that's why we are, we've been spending time educating people that they should look. And that's why I personally say from day one, so that you have a clean um, a marking scheme. Yeah. And then you can compare. Because if I tell you day three, press and see. You don't know what day one looked like, so how will I know the difference in day three? Mm. And so from my experience, I have decided that day one is, I think, the the marking scheme. Mm. And then day two. There are few children who will start getting jaundice on day one. That one is pathologic straight away. But then you would most of the time be in hospital, so the health worker would have seen. Yes. Yes. If you are going home, you see... A discoloration of the child's eye, you draw whoever is there's attention. You say, oh, it doesn't matter, go home. And it's in the first two days of life, please don't go home. 
insist on a second opinion because you may end up coming back with, with a sad story. Mm -hmm. So if you see it, maybe opens that it doesn't look white day one, and whoever is discharging says, you go home and feed, please don't go. If they insist that they don't want to keep you in their hospital, go to another facility because somebody has to do something else. Okay. Thank you. Go home and feed brings me to my next personal story. And this is a story I saw on social media where a mother is talking about how she believes her child developed on this because he wasn't getting enough breast milk. Um, and in my reading, I've also come across breastfeeding jaundice. So I don't know if it's the same thing, but what is the correlation between breastfeeding or feeding the amount of food a child is getting and jaundice? Hmm, good question. One, let me answer this question this way. Breastfeeding jaundice is not common. So it's only a few exceptional cases, and it's actually a diagnosis of exclusion. You've done everything, you realize that, and for those breastfeeding jaundice, it doesn't cause harm to the brain. But then, new mothers normally don't have plenty breast milk. Some are also struggling to put the baby to the breast. And so that's where I have a challenge. We tell the mother, Put, the, put your breast in the child's mouth. She has no clue what she's doing. She tries to do something to represent breastfeeding. And then they go home. And so she's not able to feed. And we know that. I said that if the bilirubin stays in, if the poo stays in the gut for a long time. Goes back. Recycling. Goes back. Recycling. And poo is not coming out for the bowel to pass out. And when you are not feeding the child, the child gets dehydrated. Mm -hmm. Dehydration also makes jaundice worse. Okay, so that's where the problem is. People are not establishing feeds in a timely manner so that the gut bacteria will start working and get rid of the contraband. And then it becomes a, a vicious cycle and the baby gets more yellow. And so as soon as you put that baby at, under the light, get the child to get enough feeds to flash out. Within 24, 48 hours, baby is fine. Okay. Yeah, so that's where the feeding problem. So it's more of problems with feeding, which is making the jaundice worse, as against breastfeeding jaundice. Breastfeeding jaundice happens, yes, but it's in it's in a few cases. Mm. It's in a few cases, mm. and that one some enzymes misbehave. So, but most of the time, even for the breastfeeding jaundice, when you continue, it clears. Interesting. Uh, if you just joined us today, we are talking about neonatal jaundice and a very, very important subject. And Doc has clearly established why it happens and, unfortunately, the irreversible effects of, of, of jaundice here. So, please, you want to spread the message and catch a repeat broadcast of this program if you missed it from the beginning because this is knowledge that you should acquire. It will help you and help another person. So, Doc, what's the, what's the big dream for the Pediatric Society of Ghana? Every year you create awareness in the month of May about jaundice. What is the, the goal? What is that one thing that you are looking forward to in the coming years as you continue this campaign? Our biggest dream is to make sure that no child suffers any side effects from neonatal jaundice and that every child whose eyes get yellow 
get seen and is protected from any negative side effects of, of, of jaundice. So that's our, our biggest dream. No child should have any side effects from jaundice because it's preventable. Right. It's now time for us to share our tips with you for today. And uh, once we're done with that, we'll be back to give you uh, the important information you need to know about Koi Pediatrics. Jaundice. Jaundice is simply yellow eyes and skin. Press your baby's nose tip on day one so you know normal skin color for easy comparison. Press nose tip every day in daylight so you can see yellow changes early. Do not sunbat for jaundice when no blood tests have been done to establish cause of jaundice. Hope you kept those notes, vital information for you to keep and uh, help somebody or help your child out when it comes to the issue of jaundice. I've still got Dr. Coy with us. And uh, Doc, before you go, you've been doing this for, for how many years, taking care of babies and children? Oh, for, for, for more than two decades. Wow. Yes. Yes, for more than two decades. Practicing medicine is, is three decades, almost. But for pediatrics, yes. And COI, pediatrics is 15 years this year. Yes, it started as a small after, um, afternoon clinic. But serious business, 10 years. And COI has grown from a small facility into a big facility. We have two, two clinics now, which run 24-hour service for children. Yes, and there's always a doctor in COI at any time. Okay. to take care of your child. So that's what we do now. And then we have laboratory services at each location. And even on Sunday, our labs are open till 8 p.m. So when you walk into court, you don't even need an appointment to enter. Mm -hmm. If you call the number and you can't get through, just walk into the building okay. and you'll be taken care of. Mm -hmm. So COI provides regular pediatric services for children from 0 to 18 years. So, so you are able to vote, you qualify <laughs> to come to court. As soon as you, you, you get a voting right, then we graduate you. Mm. Yes, and then you qualify to bring your child, but not mm. yourself. And we provide clinical services and also support services. So we do all the therapies, behavior therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. Yes, so any delays in the child, we would we have the therapists who who who, who provide services at both facilities mm -hmm. we have a neurodevelopmental pediatrician who will come and assess your child and so that is additional services that we have and then also physiotherapy additional and then also a dietetic service so these are additional because we realize that the child's well-being is supposed to be holistic it's not just managing fever Yes, so, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yes. So we've provided these services. And then we also have a community health um, wing of COI where we go into schools and provide school health services. Okay. And the rationale is that we know that the average Ghanaian doesn't go to hospital for regular checkup. So the children are always left behind. So we develop this protocol where we go into schools examine the children but we don't we don't we don't draw blood in schools when parents are not there okay. and then if there are any comments we send a note to every parent mm -hmm. good challenge 
every child gets a paper. In the past, some will get, and the question is, why did you not get? So now everybody gets, and it's good. It's been interesting to be able to monitor the children annually. And when they leave this, when they, after, when they graduate, we give them, we have made a little book now. Okay. And so we are able to tell whether you are growing too big, too mm. fast, or you are not growing as you should. Or we saw a problem, we referred you to you. And you don't have to come to Koi because we've seen a child's problem. But the key thing is the child should be taken care of by the doctor. Mm. And we've seen children with heart problems, with eye problems. Interesting challenges that have been corrected because we went into the schools to do the school screening. And then also for new joiners who are going to school, they ask you to do your medicals. We will do the vision, do hearing, everything to make sure that when that child goes to school, he's able to compete like his peers. Because if you are sitting in class and you can't hear the teacher well, then God help you. Then that's a problem. Yes, and it's, it's, it's not fair. The child is not being given a fair fair chance so he will be unhappy in school and nobody knows what his problems are and sometimes we find out a bit too late and so that's why we do the community health wing of course we are doing also we do education it's one of them we go to organize groups and educate them churches and a few times we have fun we do <laughs> fun games yes. so in august we're actually going to have a family fun day okay Yes, that kids are always fun, aren't they? They are fun, <laughs> and we create the opportunity for them to have fun and still get checked. So they get a dental, everything, and then they are good to go. So that's a bit about what we are doing so far. Thank you so much, Dr. Koy, and thank you for doing the watching today. We really appreciate your company. Uh, you can locate Koy Pediatrics with a simple Google search. Uh, you can find their contacts and location. That'll be it for this edition of The Baby Doctor with me, Bernice Abubedulansa. Let me say a very big thank you to Azel Vogue for my beautiful dress. You can find Azel Vogue on Instagram, and the contacts are also there for you, and uh, you can call them, and they've got you covered with all or for all your fashion needs. Catch you again on another edition of The Baby Doctor. Take care.
because uh, we've had news file over the weekend and uh, an interesting part of the conversation focused oh no we are out of range oh don't worry daddy i have alexa in my bag alex what alexa open multimedia ghana and play joy fm Super Hits Radio, Radio, Joy 99.7. Listen to Joy FM, Hits FM, Love FM, live on your Amazon Echo. Listen to your favorite multimedia radio stations live on your Amazon Echo device by saying, Alexa, open multimedia Ghana, play Joy FM or Hits FM, or Love FM. Or catch up on your favorite podcast by saying, Alexa, play. And then the name of your favorite podcast from Multimedia Ghana. For a list of all podcasts available, say Alexa. Ask Multimedia Ghana to browse programs. And we are back like we never lost signal. Alexa, welcome to Multimedia. Listen, do you know of any good medical school I can take off you to? Oh, Fifi, is that why you're looking all moody? Then I have some good news for you. The College of Medicine and Allied Sciences, COMAS, Accra, Ghana, is a degree-awarding institution, and they offer Bachelor of Medicine and Bachelor of Surgery using the Graduate Entry Medical Programs, Bachelor of Diagnostic Imaging, and BSc Health Information Management. All these programs are accredited by GTEC. Their bilingual curriculum prepares you to consult in French. But I'm worried about admissions. Admissions are ongoing. Contact us on Facebook or on Instagram at info.comas or call us on 0208-456-556 or send them an email info at comas.edu.gh. Comas, the citadel of a holistic professional medical education. Have you been to Aqua Safari lately? Let me share my experience with you at the new Aqua Safari Resorts. When you arrive, you're greeted by warm smiles and introduced to your 24-hour butler who already has your itinerary sorted. Enjoy water sports activities like jet ski rides, kayaking, water sliding, flyboarding, and castnet fishing. You can even have your lunch here on the boat cruise. Experience horseback riding, tennis, and some golfing amongst a host of other activities. Let the tour guides take you through the sceneries of the Volta River, the mangrove forest, the friendliness of the animals, local and exotic birds, while you pet and feed them. You can have this large space for your conferences, corporate retreats, and so many activities as part of the package. We chose to have our breakfast with a beautiful sunrise right in front of our cabin. We had an amazing experience and I can't wait to return for more. Visit Aqua Safari Eco Resort in Ghana, bringing you closer to nature. I am Anna Sabit on the principal streets of Ichiman and this is Joy News. Independent, fearless and credible.
Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game. We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick! Sorry, kids! Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Learn from ants. What do they do differently? This is Kia's new purely electric flagship model, the EV9. It aims to compete with BMW iX or Volvo EX90. What does it offer? We'll find out right now. Welcome to REF. The somewhat boxy look is an expression of Kia's Opposites United design philosophy and definitely not for everyone. The Kia EV9 has only one battery size, 99.8 kilowatt hours and two different engine types, either rear-wheel driven with 150 kilowatts or the car that we have right here that is all-wheel driven and 283 kilowatts. Our version accelerates very nicely, can go up to 200 kilometers an hour. Rear-wheel driven version will only be able to go up to 185 kilometers an hour. And I think 150 kilowatts is too little for such a big and heavy car. The general driving impression in the Kia EV9 is very comfortable. You can definitely tell Kia aims to provide a high quality, somewhat luxurious driving experience. The range of the all-wheel driven version is around 512 kilometers according to WLTP. The rear-wheel driven version will go up to 563. So further than the other one, of course, with a power output that is that small, you will need less electric energy. The maximum charging power is 210 kilowatts. In other words, in just 15 minutes, you can charge up to 250 kilometers of range. The sides of the car get a sleeker look from the retractable door handles. 
The interior of the EV9 is very spacious, as you would expect from a car that is more than 5 meters in length. You have a very wide center console with two cup holders. And what I also like is the fact that Kia kept physical buttons for the climate control, temperature, mode, and so on, everything down here. And then you have these somewhat touch-operated buttons for the most important functions, home, map, search, media, and favorites or setup. The steering wheel looks quite interesting. I'm not that much a fan of the center part, but I've already seen worse. What I don't like is that high gloss gray that they used for these buttons. Of course, this is always personal preference. I really like that they did not use very much high gloss in the interior. You have it here at the steering wheel and here, and the rest is mainly a matte finish, and I really like that. Leather, other materials down here, some plastic, but high quality plastic it doesn't look cheap you have three displays two big ones more than 12 inches and a small one in between that will show you information about the climate control everything is where you would expect it to be The EV9 comes with seven seats as standard, so two, three, two. And there is also the option to get six seats, so two, two, two. And these seats have quite some nice functions. Not only can they be adjusted, so pulled front to back, or also uh, put the backrest down to relax, they can also be turned which makes getting in and out of the car easier, for example, for elderly or people that have broken leg or something. That's quite nice and an interesting feature that you don't get in a lot of other cars. The seats can rotate up to 180 degrees so the rear passengers can face each other. An alternative option is reclining seats with an integrated footrest. There's a roomy container in the center console. If the passenger in the front is not too tall, he can also put the seat a little more to the front and then you will have more space back here. The trunk has a 12-volt and a 250-volt charging socket. As expected, with six or seven people in the car, you won't have very much trunk space left. We're talking about 333 liters. Of course, if you only use four or five people, then you can fold down the last row and then we're talking about a lot of space. If you fold down everything, you can go more than 2,300 liters. As usual with most electric or partly electric vehicles, you can adjust the level of recuperation with some pedals behind the steering wheel. There are four different levels and the highest one will provide you with the possibility to drive the car in one pedal drive. 
we had the standard mirrors but just like most other Kia cars the EV9 has the feature that if you activate the indicator you will get a little picture so you can see if there is another vehicle next to your car of course the EV9 also has blind spot detection and will warn you if there should be a vehicle next to you. With the optional LiDAR sensors, the Kia EV9 is able to drive autonomous level 3. So basically it does everything for you, but you're still required to keep your hands at the steering wheel and also keep an eye on the traffic because if something goes wrong, you're still the one responsible. Of course, a big car like this has quite a big price. We're talking around 72,500 euros of entry-level price for the rear-wheel-driven version. The all-wheel-driven version is around 4,000 euros more. But if you compare that to a similarly powered BMW iX, that will cost roughly the same. The BMW has more than 150 kilometers less of a range compared to the Kia. If you compare that to Volvo EX90, those are somewhat better in some aspects, but those do also start at at least 100,000 euros. So almost 25,000 euros more than the Kia. To sum up my EV9 experience, it is a very nice car that is quite luxurious and also has some clever and well thought features. But one thing is clear, a 5 meter SUV is not very suitable for German or European cities. Of course in the US, where you have a lot of space, a lot of parking spaces and the roads are very big, that is not a problem, but as I mentioned in Germany or also here in France, you can tell the streets are not made for cars that are that big. The EV9 is also capable of delivering energy to charge other vehicles, supply households with electricity, or even feed energy back into the power grid. These options are to be gradually introduced in the future. Think of all the stuff you come into contact with in one day. This stuff didn't come out of nowhere. In most cases, it made a journey that crossed city limits or even country borders. And one leg of the trip likely involved one of these. You could call trucks the backbone of commerce. Unfortunately, the way they work right now is very unhealthy for the planet. Our best bet is to make these zero emissions. And that means electric motors. They can be powered with two options you already know from the car industry, batteries and hydrogen. So which system will win the race for the truck of the future? Or do we need both? If you talked about zero emissions trucks just a few years ago, you might have been laughed out of the room. There were many preconceived notions about what batteries could do and what batteries were. So batteries are too expensive, batteries are too heavy, batteries are too big. The idea was that the massive batteries needed to power these big trucks would compromise how much cargo they could carry. Transporting heavy loads would make the batteries run out mid-journey. 
Freight operators often have tight profit margins. Time is money, and they don't really want to waste it on hours of charging. So the focus shifted to fuel cells. These devices essentially work like batteries that run on stored hydrogen and oxygen from the air. They can produce enough electricity to power a truck, and their only byproducts are heat and water. Of course, it takes a lot of energy to produce pure hydrogen so that it can be used as fuel. But even then, a hydrogen truck produces up to 33% fewer emissions across its life cycle than its diesel counterpart. The savings are much greater if the hydrogen is produced with renewable energy, but that's barely happening. Simply speaking, hydrogen trucks can reduce emissions without compromising cargo capacity or requiring long breaks. Refueling a hydrogen truck is more or less the same than uh, refueling your diesel truck. So at first sight, hydrogen fuel cells look like a slam dunk solution for trucks. But here's the thing: all these assumptions about batteries, too expensive, too heavy, already kind of outdated. What has happened in the past few years is,、um, let's say, mind-blowing. Batteries have become much cheaper very quickly, and their energy density has improved. That means a truck can get much more range from the same size battery pack. Researchers are also working on megawatt charging systems for heavy-duty trucks. The aim: to reduce the charging time from several hours to as little as 15 minutes. This would allow truck drivers to charge the vehicle during their mandated driving break. What swung the pendulum in favor of battery electric motors was high-scale investment in EVs like these. Because when it comes to greener passenger cars, most governments and producers are betting on batteries. It's a whole whole automotive industry.、Uh, Really,、um, which is bringing down the cost of batteries, but only a small industry, relatively small number of players, working on engineering of fuel cells and hydrogen storage and hydrogen delivery. Battery-powered trucks also have the advantage that they're cheaper to operate than hydrogen trucks because they're more efficient. You see, to power a fuel cell with green hydrogen, you need to turn electricity into hydrogen. Transport that to refueling stations and pump it into a fuel cell, which then turns it back into electricity. Roughly 60% of energy is lost on the way. Compare that to a fully electric truck. It needs energy to charge a battery, which then powers the motor. Only about 20% is lost. The fact that battery electric trucks are cheaper to operate makes a huge difference. It compensates for the investment upfront to buy the vehicle, which is high, higher than for fuel cell trucks. So if you look at the total cost of ownership. The sum of all the expenses for a vehicle across its life cycle, battery-powered trucks come out looking pretty good. They could become even cheaper than diesel trucks before 2030. It can be powered by an electricity mix of fossil fuels and renewables. That saves about 63% in emissions. If they are powered with clean energy only, that saves 92%. As battery technologies develop rapidly, this begs the question: Is the race between electric and hydrogen trucks already over? And what does that mean? In most countries, battery-powered trucks still represent less than one percent of sales, but projections say they will make up a vast majority of the European market by 2050. And manufacturers like Daimler and Volvo, who are betting on hydrogen, are not betting on it instead of batteries, but in addition to batteries. Hydrogen truck producers basically want another leg to stand on. They're betting that battery-powered trucks will never develop enough to carry extremely heavy loads across several thousands of kilometers, because more cargo requires more energy. When a threshold is 
the weight, not the space to be transported, then we have an advantage for hydrogen trucks. At that point, opponents say that's a very niche application toward a whole separate system. You've got to make your, all your infrastructure, your filling stations and everything available on a small proportion of trucking. So are there ways to make battery-powered trucks more viable for very heavy cargo on long journeys? Operators could swap out battery packs instead of waiting to recharge them. That would probably require industry-wide cooperation on battery swap systems, though. That brings us to our next point, infrastructure. It needs to expand a lot for either technology if zero-emission trucks are to take over. Hydrogen refueling stations are still extremely scarce, with entire regions in Europe not having any at all. When it comes to EV charging, there is more solid infrastructure in place for passenger cars. But the kind of high power charging that trucks need is almost completely missing. In the European Union, that's where this law could come into play. It sets specific targets for member states to deploy more charging and refueling stations in the coming years. So we see that big companies are now springing up to say like, all right, we're going to cover that need because we see that this business will come, right? Because the regulatory uh, decision, the policy, creates certainty for us to make those investments. The same needs to happen to spur manufacturers into mass producing zero emissions trucks. Because at the moment, not enough are being produced for fleet operators to make the switch. So the EU is looking to revise its CO2 standards for trucks. While it doesn't put an end to internal combustion engines, the proposal wants new heavy-duty vehicles to emit 90% less by 2040. Both battery and fuel cell trucks need to tackle their infrastructure and supply. But there is one challenge specific to hydrogen trucks, and that's the price of fuel. We need to commercialize the production of hydrogen. Currently, when you're talking about green hydrogen, uh, we are producing hydrogen at very small scale. When you enlarge your production site, you can bring costs down. So the falling price of hydrogen is yet another maybe in a long list of uncertainties during this transition. Because to get all the stuff to us that we use every day without all those emissions, some big questions still need answering. How much cheaper and smaller can batteries get? How fast can they be charged? And will there ever be enough green hydrogen? It looks like pure electric trucks are way ahead of hydrogen in the race to deliver our future goods. But they're both bringing us closer to the same finish line, to reach our climate targets. But there could still be some surprises along the way. Why are ants the best drivers? Why are cars often stuck in traffic? Why do ants never stand still? Why does traffic run so smoothly on their highways? Why doesn't that work for us drivers? Why do we have traffic jams everywhere across the world? What can we learn from ants? What do they do differently? They are very cooperative. Um, that means they, they, they do not block something. Um, because they are working on one common goal, they would like to, to draw food into their nest. Ants are better drivers in some sense than they are cooperative. But why? Why is that the case with ants? Why don't they have traffic jams? And what can we drivers learn from them? 
Ants basically create colonies with a social structure in which its members have different professions and tasks. They work as a team to tackle problems. We drivers, on the other hand, are self-absorbed individuals who just want to reach our destination fast. The main reason is that you do not have enough capacity. Um, of course, there are other reasons, um, but these reason, reasons are not that, they do not happen that often. Um, some people sometimes make driving mistakes, of course. Um, for instance, they, they do not pay enough attention and then they have to brake hard. Individual mistakes. Can that explain all the traffic jams, or is there more? Roadworks, then accidents and heavy weather conditions. But most of that, 60%, 70%, it depends on the um, region where you look at, is due to overload. It's too many cars at the same time on the same uh, route um, in the same direction. And that can have quite an impact. Here's a small selection of the longest traffic jams. Around 2.5 million people fled Houston before Hurricane Rita hit on September 21, 2005. Traffic heading towards Dallas was backed up for two days and 160 kilometers. In Brazil, during the 2014 Soccer World Cup final, a traffic jam starting in Sao Paulo reached a length of 344 kilometers. That's almost all the way to Rio. And in Moscow in November 2012, the heavy Russian winter resulted in catastrophic congestion for three days and three nights, locking down the main highway between St. Petersburg and the Russian capital. So how can we plan car traffic better? How can we avoid traffic jams? What do ants have over us? Is it just their behavior? With ants, it really is a case of one for all and all for one. But with car drivers, it's more along the lines of how do I get to my destination as quickly as possible? It's all about individuals doing their own thing with zero consideration for anyone else. And that's something some drivers could learn from. The drivers on the road are non-cooperative, so they're egoistic. And that is a, a thing which hinders the whole system to be effective. On the road in Germany's largest city by far, Berlin. I can't see a thing. Compared to other cities around the world, traffic in Berlin isn't bad at all. Let's take a look at some of the worst. In the Philippine capital Manila, drivers lost an average of 100 hours of their time stuck in traffic in 2022. Bogota has the worst traffic in South America. Drivers here spent an average of 130 hours in traffic congestion. That's over five days in a year. No wonder road rage is a problem here. And in Bangalore, drivers were stuck in traffic for an incredible 134 hours in 2022. That would never happen to ants. They simply have better traffic rules.
Ants communicate chemically. They use a mix of pheromone signals, like watch out, or there's food here, or go this way. They work for their community. They want to have the system optimum. They want to have a um, um, working or a, a flow which is not stopped by individuals. So we can learn from the ants, but I don't think that one can teach the people to behave like ants. Especially seeing that people get even more aggressive when they're in their cars. Many people have uh, a very, very uh, strong time schedule. And uh, if there is a gem which they don't know, uh, they become very angry. They are in their car uh, anonymous. Nobody knows your name. So the people um, then do within the traffic situations more things they normally would not do. Are you crazy? So they like this kind of adrenaline? <laughs> not me. The car is more or less your private environment. It's like at home. It's more or less an addition, an add-on to your home. And you don't like that other people come near to you. So there is a limit about 50 centimeters. So if other cars come uh, close to you, you don't like it. You become angry against the other drivers. That aggression behind the wheel is also one of the main causes of traffic jams. So why are ants so much better behaved on the road? First of all, they're driving not that fast. <laughs> it means if they crash, well, it's just when, when two people hit each other on the road. Um, so in a certain sense, uh, it, it is not really dramatic. Yeah? So um, this definitely leads to the fact that they can have much closer distances, of course, between each other. While cars have to have some, some distance in, in order to stay safe. Then again, there are around 20 quadrillion ants in the world. You could say that ants have a kind of early warning system inherited by each generation from previous ones, whereas we humans need technical solutions. Speaking of us humans, how much time do people in Germany spend stuck in traffic every year? The uh, kilometers driven on German roads per year are more than 500 billion. And within these kilometers they drive, they stand still for some time. So in jams, stuck in jams. And that is about 530,000 years per year that the people are standing still. Self-driving cars might prevent that by helping us stay relaxed in the stream of traffic, just like the ants. In the future we will have automatic systems where we can copy the behavior of ants. And uh, this is the hope that then at the end we will have a, a working traffic system which has a much larger capacity as we have today. Learning from ants means learning to win. At least when it comes to avoiding traffic jams and behaving well in traffic. And more automotive tales next time on Rev.
the batteries they take away the cables that junction in two years we did it about three times and they go and do that if you drive on that stretch almost all the signals are off not as a result of our the department negligence but stolen equipment tell each other every day at joy news we tell your story you have a story the world should know about tell it to joy news we are your home of bold credible and fearless journalism i am mfa apau Well, I'm grateful that I mean we could do this. Yes. And you're back home. Back home. Country. The first time in 20 years. In 20 years. I know. Over two decades. A very long time. You're probably going to ask me why has it been so long. Yeah. 
I don't actually have an answer. I thought the reason would be because I had no friends here. Okay. I had family. I had you. Yeah. So what happened? I just, I just don't know. Okay. But, but there's a lot you yes. need to talk about. For sure. You know, your life. I know. Back in the UK. Yeah. Also DJ. Hello. And a broadcaster. <laughs> Guys, he's been doing this for the past 10 years. And trust me, he knows what he's about. Oh, thank you. And we're really glad to. Yenko. How's that for you, my tree? You, you. <laughs> How's that for my tree? Yenko. That is terrible. That is terrible. Oh. But do you speak any tree though? I, I don't speak but Mitsi. Ote Dewehi. Mitsi tree. Tree Dewehi Naote. Nahe Naote. Mitsi. I don't know. <laughs> He's so lost. And there goes my Ghana card. I, uh, so where is your Ghana card? I don't have one yet. I'm going to get one. Yeah, we need uh. to get you a Ghana card. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Let me tell you, everybody, this is E-Vibes. This is another fantastic edition. We're here with Jeremiah Asiyama. I hope I got that right. Asiyama, Asiyama. Uh, he's a broadcaster with the BBC. He's also a DJ. We're about to have a very sensual, fantastic, everything in between conversation with the man jeremiah so you need to stick and stay with us we'll be right back if you just join us this is e-vibes where we get to celebrate our gallant men and women out there making the motherland proud and of course jeremiah is no exception uh, he's been out there for over 20 years and he's been you know making the country proud and it's very exciting to have you here on the show and to celebrate you thank and, you and to you know get to know you more yeah. so uh, let's talk about how you even uh, made it uh, onto the bbc yeah well firstly thank you for having me Obviously, it's my first time back in the motherland in over, what? In time. 20 years, like you say. Yeah. Sun's out, and I'm with you. Um, so I appreciate that for a start. BBC. Four. Yeah. So I started radio when I was 15. Okay. Um, and I was going through a bit of a naughty path, and uh, I came across a fellow Ghanaian at the time called Clara Ampho. Um, and she was saying on radio, oh, if you want a shout-out, just message us. And I thought, that's a lie. If yeah. you message someone, they're going to take your money, and that's it. So I thought, you know what, I took my parents' phone, I messaged her, and she shouted me out. And at that time in my life, I didn't really have much friends around me who were genuine. And I felt like Clara was a friend that I never met, right. but I grew to love. Mm. And I loved the music that she would play, and I was like, you know what, the fact that someone can make me feel this good, and I've never met them before through music and the way they talk, that's what I want to do for other people. Um, and I never gave up, and here we are, you know, 10 years later, and here you are. Let me, yeah. let me let me give you a quote. Something that you said that I saw somewhere online. Yeah. You said, "When I found radio, and I found the love for music, and knowing that I could share that with people, I knew that was me, or that is me." Yeah. And uh, it wasn't radio uh, from the very no. onset. It wasn't radio. It was no. something else. I'm sure it was... your parents wanted you to do something else. They wanted you to go to school, go to school, and go to school. Exactly. Before that, but but what happened? You you didn't you didn't um, go to school. You went no. to school. So I went to college, you... but I never went to university. University. Yeah. yeah. Um, How come? I think I just knew that I wanted to do like be a DJ. I just I don't know what it was. 
I just knew something within me was telling me that this is this is my path. Mm. And you know, growing up, it's always church. You go there, you hear I see that. Yeah, you, you just you feel the music. I see that you know what I mean. Yeah, you're right. So all of those songs, the highlights, the, the lumbers, the probably Ponce, like everything. Mm. Just all of those different sounds growing up, I, I knew music was my passion. Right. Um, and when I found out I could actually DJ right. and, and play music for a living and make people feel the way I feel, I was like, sign me up. You, you, um, went, you went it straight, straight Yeah, straight. and I've been blessed by God. I always give God the glory because mm. without God, I wouldn't be here. But I've been able to DJ in some incredible places, in some incredible venues, and also interview some like sensational stars I across. Am definitely coming to that. Yeah. The recent one I know that you were uh you put you DJ'd recently, not too yeah. long ago at Wembley. Yeah. Uh over ninety thousand people. people. And you were in front of these people. Yeah it was doing what you love. It's crazy when you think tell, about that. Tell me about the experience. I genuinely thought it was I felt like I was in heaven for a split second because when I looked in front of me there was an eighty piece marching band this was the same marching band that performed at the King's coronation. So they were there, the royal family were there. I look up, I see the blue sky, I, I see the trumpets, the, the noise, the atmosphere. Uh, it, was, it was such a blessing. Right. Uh, and also my family were able to see me DJ. And it was the first time they'd ever seen me live. Wow. My grandma as well. So wow. for me, it was more than just 90,000 people. It was probably the most important moment of my entire life wow because growing up you know what it's like like you say like they want you to go to school to school to school to school to school but when they see ah oh, drama like you're doing something you're doing something well you know and i'm doing something well with my surname you know with my full name jeremiah siama because a lot of the time people ask me if i was okay with the idea of shortening my name mm. like even when, when i first started out i had so many different names but then i was like what is my name my name is me. Jeremiah. Right. Of so, course. yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a blessing. For uh, the many, you know, Ghanaians who don't know exactly who you are and yeah. what you've achieved over the years, uh, I can refresh uh, some of your memory as well. Yeah. I know that uh, you've played at the Baptist, one of the biggest uh, events when it comes to celebrating movies yeah. uh, in, in, in the UK yeah. and across the world yeah. because we have people coming from you know, America joining in. For sure. You played at, at, at that event. Yeah. And you have one of the biggest radio shows yeah. in the UK. Yeah. In the UK. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. And, and, and you've done all of these things. How, you know, uh, does that make you feel as 